Welcome once again to 20 Minute Topic. I'm Marcus Stead and I'm joined as ever by Greg Lance Watkins. The word woke seems to be everywhere nowadays and the woke agenda is doing enormous damage to freedom of speech and freedom of expression across Western society. Greg and I assess the causes and ask what can be done to see the restoration of common sense. Do stay with us. Greg, in the course of the last three or four years, we've seen the rise and rise of the woke agenda. And for me, it started with the whole hipster culture thing that started to develop about seven or eight years ago. And the word hipster has fallen away. People say, oh, he's got hipster views, sort of middle class metropolitan views. And and this word woke started to emerge around three or four years ago. It's become more and more prevalent in the time since. Looking at the wider picture of it, Greg, How on earth did we go from a situation 50 or so years ago that developed in the years following that, not to call black people nasty names and to be polite and to be civil and to be aware that we live in a diverse society, to the situation you have now where for a section of society, maybe 10 or 12%, it's almost a fashion statement to go through every day permanently on the lookout for new things to be offended by. We're in a very bizarre place, aren't we? Oh, very. Um, As some of the listeners may be aware, I'm a collector of antiquarian maps. And if you look at um, old maps of Africa, you have areas called independent Kaffir area. Now, the word Kaffir merely means non-believer, nothing more complex, exactly the same as Muslims use it when talking about Caucasians and call them kuffar. It's the same word. Now, for some extraordinary reason, Muslims are perfectly entitled to call Caucasians kuffar, and no one does a thing about it. Mm. However, try calling somebody a kafir which means exactly the same thing. It's, it is to an extent a derogatory term in both instances, i.e. people who are non-believers. But no, there's double standards. And when it comes to racism, there is absolutely no doubt that racism exists, particularly in the black community, where it is, as racism is founded, intertribal. The Kikuyu dominated the adjoining tribes. The Zulus dominated the adjoining tribes after the Zulus were formed by Shaka Zulu. They were southern Swazis. But Greg, there's there's a point here, isn't there? Looking at the way things have gone before my lifetime and into my lifetime through my childhood in the 1980s and the 1990s, how on earth did we get from a situation where we say to people it is no longer socially acceptable to use derogatory language about black people, and it's no longer socially acceptable to shout rude words in the street and that sort of thing and put no blacks, no Irish uh, outside a hotel. How do we go from that to the situation we now have where, look, it wasn't perfect, and I'm not saying racism still doesn't exist in society in many forms, and there was still work to be done. But to me, we, broadly speaking, we rubbed along pretty well. We were telling our children Um, to judge people by the content of their character. There's good and bad in every community. How have we gone from that to this sort of very dangerous identity politics we're seeing now, which frankly, Greg, I think there's a very real danger that race relations in this country could be set back 50 years or more if we continue with the path we're on. Well, 
on the behavior of BLM, they have been set back dramatically with the level of racism that is within BLM. But let's look at the cause of it. It is purely down to Marxism. Mm. Marxism has been underpinning the cult of racism for a very long time as a means of damaging Western civilization. Don't forget, Marxism instigated, founded, trained, and to some extent funded the BLM movement. And before that, the Black Panthers. And before that, the Weather Underground. All racist black organizations that were anti-white. Yes, there have been organizations that have been very vehemently anti-black. There have been black tribes that have made a fortune out of slavery, capturing adjoining tribes and selling them to traders. Right. This is a history lesson you're giving us now. And we're in danger of going off topic a little bit here because this wokeism is not purely about race. I am very concerned that we have gone from a situation when I was growing up where we were told you mustn't use these words anymore, just judge people by the content of their character. And sure enough, my school, my college, my university, you had black people, you had Asian people, and everyone rubbed along pretty well. I'm not saying it was perfect. I'm not saying there still isn't discrimination in society. There is. But we were rubbing along pretty well. And within another generation or two, that would have developed to the point where skin color was effectively irrelevant. But this is this wokeism. It goes beyond this. It's an obsession. I would say a fairly middle class obsession, actually, with identity politics and it's something that's prevalent in university campuses nowadays right let's move the discussion on away from race then to your lifetime you were involved in the 1960s in a campaign to decriminalize homosexuality and through the course of my lifetime i've seen the age of consent reduced from 21 to 18 to 16 I've seen homosexual people be allowed to marry. I've seen homosexual people be allowed to adopt children and also next of kin rights in hospital as well. So there is an equality in the law between homosexual and heterosexual people. Long after all that was achieved, long after, we saw the rise and rise of the pride movement. Long after there, and Simon Fanshawe has talked about this in a lot of depth, he was one of the founders of the British Stonewall in 1988. Their key objectives had all been achieved. He has now distanced himself from what the organization has become. And we've now got a situation, haven't we, where there's Pride Month and there's Pride Marches. I'm not saying there aren't instances of abuse and homophobic attacks and that. But why has this come to prominence after and long after the key objectives have been achieved? The key objective was the destruction of Western civilization by Marxism. And people overlooked this. Marxism realized it wasn't going to win by force or um, use of arms. And so it decided there was an alternate way that it could win by. And it's it, they left the battlefield during the 1914-18 war when they had hoped to be able to sweep across Europe. They went back to Russia to rethink and have a revolution. They had intended to be the winners 
uh, and main benefactor, beneficiary, should I say, of the First World War and realized that they weren't going to achieve that. So they quit and organized the Russian Revolution. And after the First World War, it was commissioned by the communists who commissioned a report from Frankfurt University sociological department as to why communism had not spread automatically across Europe because it was such a good idea. And the report took several years to produce and said because basically people didn't trust them. And little more, there was very little more that meant it didn't happen. And so the then KGB bought Frankfurt University Sociological Department and called it the Frankfurt School and set out to destabilize Western civilization. When it realized that Adolf Hitler was on the rise and had won in Germany, don't forget, he won against the communists. The street riots in Germany were between Hitler's Nazis and the communists for control of Germany. And so the Frankfurt School, realizing that being owned by the KGB, they weren't going to fare well under um, a government of Nazis, the majority of the Germans. So they relocated to America, where they set up offices in Stonewall Street. And Marxism has underpinned just about every organization that has set out to damage the Western world. Organizations yeah. like CND. Yeah, but, but Greg. where woke comes in. CND yeah. was the beginning of noticeable woke. You didn't work for the nuclear industry. But, but Greg, Greg, there, there's something that happened, and I know we talked about this on the phone the other day, but for the benefit of listeners, Harry Pollitt, the British communist, towards the end of World War II, he gave a talk to young students in Cambridge, and he very likely did a similar one at Oxford, though no record of this can officially be confirmed, but he certainly did in Cambridge. And he said to the young students, the young communist students, don't bother selling the daily worker on street corners or anything like that. Get your degrees and infiltrate the institutions and reform them from within in, in Marxist ideology. The judiciary, the media, higher education, the police, the civil service and so forth. And there's some evidence that that happens. And generation upon generation, regardless of whether we had a conservative or a Labour government in this country, they had infiltrated the corridors of power, if you like, and, and the, the various uh, tentacles of power. Fast forward to your late friend Christopher Booker in 1990, when he was sort of at a, a semi-informal interview, really, for taking on a job at the Sunday Telegraph with the then editor. And he was asked, uh, where do you see Britain heading? And Christopher said in 1990 to a sub-Marxist fog. And that was at a time when Margaret Thatcher was still prime minister, which may have sounded like an extraordinary thing to say. But you had by then more than 40 years of um, since Harry Pollitt had made his statement. And here we are now uh, over 30 years since Christopher Booker said that over lunch. And it does seem that generation upon generation, this sort of Marxist thinking has overtaken the institutions. Now, the police has gone from uh, upholding and enforcing the law to being this sort of politically correct institution. But there's something that's concerning me very much in relation to this, and that's the generation that's younger than I am. I mean, I'm 37 now. I left university in 2005. And whilst there was, yes, plenty of evidence at both student council level and student union level and in the academic level of Marxist influence, 
I think it's been taken on a notch now. Now, for me, the sort of Marxist influence I saw was is through the tone of some of the lectures and also, which I've blogged about, my efforts to get Peter Hitchens to come and debate um, the rights and wrongs of homosexuality um, at the university, even though the Gay and Lesbian Society or the LGB Society, as it was then known, um, were on my side and wanted him to come up and debate it. It was blocked at student council level. But as a Eurosceptic student on the right, I can only think of one instance where in the entire three years I was at the University of Liverpool where it got slightly unpleasant. For the most part, personal relations were fine. I think we've now reached a stage, Greg, with all too many students where you've got this far left mob and if you're one step to the right of them, they denounce you as far right. If you're two steps to the right of them, you're denounced as a fascist. There's no nuance or debate with these people. And part of this woke agenda is this whole safe zones agenda we've got at universities where, I mean, I've read blog articles from some actually I consider to be fairly moderate speakers at universities. And they said they've left a room after a debate and they've seen students hugging each other in tears, not because they've... Uh, been harmed in any way or didn't think they'd been harmed, but because they'd heard an opinion they don't agree with. But Greg, we are in very, very dangerous territory with this in terms of freedom of speech, being able to think, and the parameters of what it is permissible to say are becoming narrower and narrower with every year that passes, it seems to me. Uh, freedom of speech is effectively gone, effectively, in that some tin pot nobody running a social media a platform can permit only, and this is a public social media platform, can per permit only the opinions he wants to be heard. Mm. At the moment, it is convenient for Facebook to have liberal, woolly opinions enforced um, by Clegg across Europe. The man got voted out of office because he was utterly incompetent, but he got himself a, a huge salary working for Facebook because they are trying to bring forward the quasi-Marxist, quasi-liberal, quasi-libertarian, woolly thought that actually undermines civilization. But Greg, looking at this now, every year now at Pride Month, if I go into the bank or the supermarket or any number of chain stores or a restaurant and they got the the the, uh, the rainbow banners up and they're saying, we support Pride, we have been endorsed by Stonewall or the, or the Pride movement or whatever it is. And I'm thinking, hang on a minute, if you're my bank, I expect you to deal with banking matters. If you're an animal charity, I expect you to deal with matters relating to that animal charity or your specific area. If I was running any kind of business, if I was a branch manager of a bank and I was interviewing staff for a job, I can't imagine needing to ask you about your sexuality or whether you were homosexual. If I found out that you were, and if I found out that colleagues or even members of the public were being abusive towards you, I would take appropriate action. But I don't feel the need to demand that all my staff wave these little flags and wear these lanyards and everything to say we endorse the pride agenda. This thing has become completely ludicrous and it's, it's very, very dangerous. Virtue signaling, nothing yeah. more. Yes. Childish, immature virtue signaling by mm. inadequates in commerce who will prostitute themselves to any crank idea in return for the smell of profit. Yeah. Banks that are terrified that they'll lose a customer. Well, hmm. most of them will ch would change with a second's persuasion. But Greg, 
I'm not woke. Yes, I am aware of racial issues. I'm aware that homophobia has not gone away. I'm aware of all sorts of injustice in society. But I am not woke because I believe in policing. I believe in law and order. I believe in the armed forces. I believe in discipline. And this seems to be when you extend this whole woke agenda and the Black Lives Matter agenda and everything like that, they want to break down the pillars of society that make a civilized society. And I just wonder, Greg, it does seem to me that organizations are under huge amounts of pressure from social media pylons. And and I wish more people would understand this basic point. And Twitter's the worst offender. We know that. But I've read a number of independent studies and academic studies into this. 70% of people are not on Twitter at all. 90% of people are not on Twitter very much. Of the remaining 10%, a lot of them are there to seek out entertainers and sports teams and musicians that they like and so forth. The number of people as a proportion of society that are politically engaged on Twitter is minuscule, but it has a disproportionate amount of influence uh, in terms of this woke mob that targets one group after another after another for the most frivolous of reasons. Uh, And we see it time and time again. And more often than not, these organizations just buckle and give in. Now, I'll give credit where it's due. Whatever one may think of GB News, and I'm afraid we haven't got time to go into that now, and it's an evolving story anyway, so it'll sound dated by the time this podcast goes out. But before a single second of content had been broadcast on GB News, There was an organization, a woke organization called Stop Funding Hate that was saying, right, list all its advertisers here and target them on social media. And we saw how Ikea and Nivea and several other organizations pulled their advertising on GB News as a result of that. And this was all done even before a single second of content had been broadcast. And now I'll give credit to the co-op where it was due because the co-op stood up to this. And they put out a a series of very clever tweets, the co-op food this is, and they said uh, along the lines of, we neither endorse nor condemn the content of GB News. We do not interfere in the editorial decisions of the organizations we choose to advertise with. Um, And I thought it was a very clever answer, and I've rewarded the co-op food in my custom on several occasions since then when I otherwise wouldn't have done, because I don't actually live that near to a co-op store. Yeah. Let us not for a moment forget that there's no argument about it. IKEA has always been known for being a screw loose. <laughs> indeed, indeed, very witty. But what I would say, Greg, is that they decided before a single content of GB News had been broadcast that it was far right. Now, there are many things you might want to say about GB News. Someday we might do that. I haven't seen anything on there I would class as extremism or worthy of pulling advertising. But what this is, Greg, on Twitter is mob rule, woke mob rule, shutting down anyone or anything that doesn't follow their agenda. And a final point from you, please. This, I think, is extremely dangerous. Without a doubt, it's dangerous. Um, It's dangerous when you have idiots wandering around trying to classify 90 different degrees of gender, calling it sex, of course, because they don't know the difference between gender and sex, with school children who haven't reached the age where they are sufficiently mature to even understand gender, leave alone sex. It's become a farce. 
all part of the very, very deliberate Marxist fog. One final sentence from you, please. Then I have got to wind this up. Go on. I think that we are in the fog of Marxism. Hmm. I think one of the great problems is the dishonesty of our public offices, the dishonesty that permits um, the greatest fraud ever perpetrated against mankind, namely the scam surrounding climate change, the lack of scientific provenance, the refusal to look at history if it doesn't suit. We have had a great deal of publicity about removing Rhodes's statue. They've interviewed people who are protesting at Rhodes's statue in Oxford, who haven't had a clue why it should be removed or known anything about Rhodes. I actually know quite a lot about Cecil Rhodes, and I haven't got a clue why people want it removed. They claim it's something to do with slavery. Well, Cecil Rhodes was born, I think it was 32 years after slavery was made illegal. He never owned a slave or endorsed slavery in any way. He actually tried to open up Africa for the education of Africans by building a road from Cape Town to Cairo. What could have been better for Africa? Well, Greg, you've explained how we got into the fog. I think getting out of this Marxist fog is an entirely different podcast, but we're going to have to leave it at that for now. My thanks as always to Greg. My thanks to you for listening. Join us again next time.